Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here with episode 783 with Abby Marks Beal. I have frequently heard from you, dear listeners, that you want to be able to accomplish more in a limited amount of time. Well, our guest, Abby Marks Beal, brings the goods here. She is one of the foremost experts on speed reading, and she shares her wisdom with us. So learn one, how to quadruple your reading speed with just a note card. Two, the best ways to retain more of what you read. And three, awesome tools for optimal screen reading. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've mentioned here, please pay us a visit at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP783 and check out some of our goodies like every episode tagged by the topic and competency covered, the full text transcripts and more over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Abby's story. Abby Marks Beal is a speed reading expert, consummate educator, and professional speaker who enjoys teaching busy people how to read smarter, faster, and just plain better. For the past 30 years, she has taught thousands to build reading confidence and competence through the knowledge of simple yet powerful active reading strategies. She's the author of 10 Days of Faster Reading, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Speed Reading, and Speed Reading, a little-known time-saving superpower. Big thanks to Abby for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Abby. Abby, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thanks for having me, Pete. Much appreciated. Well, I'm excited to talk about speed reading with you. We've only covered this like once or twice before out of nearly 800 interviews. So I, I know there's much more goodness to, to share, but I want to start with hearing you say you used to hate reading. What's the story? <laughs> so I, I think a lot of people feel that way, that like when you're in elementary school, it's like so great. You can read like fiction and stories are great. And then you get into middle school and high school and they make you read these nasty textbooks that aren't fun. No pictures or not many pictures and things that you have to learn. So I got turned off to reading at about that time. I used to love it until I was like in seventh grade. And then it just wasn't fun anymore. And then I hated it until after college. And it was the kind of thing that was like, I never understood why anyone in their right mind would read a newspaper on a regular basis. And I was just averse to reading, period. And so I majored in Spanish in college, which helped because I could read word by word and it was okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the comprehension part and such was just a very different animal at that time. So yeah, I used to hate to read, but I learned through a job that I got soon after college, having my degree helped to get this job, that this is not hard to do. 
this is something that can be learned and it's just a set of strategies, strategic things that people can do to become better, smarter, more effective readers. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I'm intrigued when it comes to, we can be better, stronger, more effective, faster. Can you maybe lay out like what's possible in terms of just for normal professionals as opposed to, I don't know, I'm thinking about like memory champions or world <laughs> record speed readers, like, like what could be possible for us in terms of, like, hey, I've been reading my whole life and I'm, you know, I'm going fine. What, mm-hmm. what are we missing out on? So you think it's going fine, but for some people, it's not, it's like, I know how to read, but I don't like to read. There's this thing that I talk about called your reading attitude. Everybody has one. And I say, fill in the blank with this. I am a blank reader. And I start off all my programs that way. And it basically, if you can put in the word, like, I am a good reader, I am an avid reader, I'm a voracious reader, those are all like really good positive terms. And that means that reading is something that you will do and you find it valuable and it doesn't waste your time and it typically doesn't make you fall asleep and you don't reread a lot. But others that put in the words like, I'm a bad reader, I'm a slow reader, a distracted reader, any of the words that are more negative means that they look at reading like the plague. It's like, it's going to waste my time. It's going to be boring. I'm going to fall asleep. I'm not going to understand it. I'm going to have to reread. And so what I aim to help people understand is that they can be much more confident about who they are as readers just by having some strategies. And even if they think they're really good readers, which they probably are, they can still learn a few more because we haven't had training since elementary school, pretty much. Most people haven't taken classes or you know, upgraded their skills. It's like, here's the words, folks, go at it. That's pretty much what they gave to us. And then we had to figure out how to manage the reading workload from there on. Okay. Well, I guess I'm thinking about my own story. I think I'm a fine reader. Mm-hmm. I enjoy reading things. Sometimes I do need to reread or I do seem slow Mm. to my own uh, judgment, I guess. I don't know. I haven't timed it recently. And so tell us just what what is possible? What benefits or magic is on the other side of mastering this skill? The Rich Habits Institute did a study about reading habits of the wealthy. Hmm. And it talks about, and I'm just going to read to you a couple of the percentages, 86% of the wealthy love to read, 85% of the wealthy read two or more educational books every month, 88% of the wealthy read 30 minutes or more each day, and 63% of the wealthy listen to audiobooks or podcasts during their commute to work. Uh So for any of your audiences thinking, well, you know, how can I make more money at what I do? The more that you read, and I I encourage more nonfiction, things that are going to make you better at who you are and what you do, Mm -hmm. that those, when applied, are going to be incredibly helpful for your life and your career. So I agree that the more that you read, I think the tendency to make more money is definitely there. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Abby. It's about feeling more confident about who you are as a reader if you need that. It's about having certain strategies to apply. So some people think that when you learn how to read faster, everything has to be read fast. But that's not true. It's about creating a gear shift. And I use this concept of five gears and I show my hand. So imagine your hand. You look at your hand, right? Mm -hmm. On your hand, you have five fingers, which are basically five gears, and gear one is your thumb and gear two is your 
point your finger, three, four, and five appropriately, keep going. So that's five gears. Most people are stuck in gears one and two because they don't know how to get into gears three, four, and five. So it's about becoming more efficient, more effective, depending, like if you're reading something you're very familiar with, you shouldn't be in gear one or two. You should be able to get into minimally three and definitely possibly four, depending on why you're reading something, what you need it for. And so it's about, I call it active, mindful, and conscious. Those are the three things that I don't think readers are when they read. They're like, oh, here I am. My eyes are going to hit the page and I'm going to hope that I understand what it says. And it's very much a conscious process, at least the way that I teach it and the way that I do it and the people that learn from me do it. That's not going so fast that you don't understand or as Woody Allen said, it's reading War and Peace in five minutes and it's a book about Russia. That's like the worst quote. And I use it all the time because I hate it, <laughs> but it's something that people can relate to. But I want to give you my definition of speed reading because it's different than other people that teach speed reading. So it's a set of active, mindful, and conscious strategies that allow you to get what you need quickly from any reading material in an efficient and an effective manner. So it's not about going so fast that you don't understand. That's called speed looking, not speed reading. And so it's being efficient and effective, active, mindful, and conscious. And can you define what is gear one, two, three, four, five? So they're just, there's different speeds. It's basically gear one and two. They're anywhere from about 100 to maybe 250, 300 words a minute. That would be gears one and two. Okay. And then gears three, four, and five are anywhere from like three, 350 all the way up to 1,200, 1,500, depending on what you can do. So that's not like wicked fast, although for some people it sounds that way. And the average reading speed of most people that haven't had training is around 250. So if you think about, okay, if they're in gear one and two, that's around 250. Then if they could get into gear three, four, or five, they could easily go the other way, which could be 800 or 1,000 words per minute when appropriate. Mm-hmm. using certain strategies. So it's about using that gear shift, just like your car. Like sometimes when there's traffic, you got to slow down. And when there's on the open highway, you can go into fifth gear. And it's about knowing what's on your radar, what's in front of you, what do you need to know? How much do you already know? Like, okay, for example, I work with with lawyers or doctors sometimes, and I teach them how to read better and faster. I said, look, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. You guys know you have background knowledge that I don't have. We could sit down with the same study, you know, they're reading a study or they're reading a legal document, and they're going to read it probably faster with much better comprehension than I will because I don't have the background knowledge. Mm -hmm. You need to have the understanding of the vocabulary, of the concepts, the, the structure. They have that, which I don't. But put them into my world, reading educational material, reading speed reading material, things like I know how to get through that stuff a lot better and faster than they probably can. So it's about your background knowledge, too. Okay. Well, so then, well, well, quadrupling the reading speed sounds magically enticingly powerful in terms of what might be possible for just like slamming through an email inbox or looking through reports or doing research. I mean, being able to pull that all four times as fast can mean going home early or having time to do the more fun strategic work or the people development stuff that is being neglected. So are you saying that it is in fact possible via practice and and strategy to read at four times 
the average speed if we're 250 to go to 1,000 plus without losing comprehension? As long as you have, number one, the background knowledge, you know what it's talking about, you, you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. and number two, that you're using the right strategy for the right reason. And so two things I want to say. One is that in order to get into those gears of four and five, what you'll find is that you have to use a tool. And the tools that I talk about are using your hands or a card to read with. You have to find something to put on either your screen or your paper that's going to help you track your eye movements. Because your eye movements, they get tired just going across the lines and back to the beginning and across the line and back to the beginning. But if you have something moving on your page or on your screen, you're able to follow it much faster. And so by, and for me, even to get into those higher gears of four or five, I have to use my hands or a white card to read with. Mm-hmm. And so that's for some people is just really uncomfortable because they're not used to doing it. And I explain that, yeah, it is uncomfortable at first, but once you get the habit, you're like, you're sold on it because that is how you get to those higher gears. Well, that sounds easy. I just it is. get a note card and it then is. move it fast. And that's that's all I got to do, Abby. Is that what we're saying here? <laughs> so, yes, but the white card, this is my favorite thing to share with people. It's called the white card method. It's taking a blank white card or the backside of a business card that's blank or a blank piece of white paper. Okay. And like that, yep. Just like as I'm seeing it, not everyone's seeing that, mm-hmm. but yes, it's blank white card. And if you have like a magazine, newspaper or a book, whatever in front of you, most people would put that card underneath the line that they're reading and they would put it below. Okay. And it's just a natural thing because when we're learning how to read, that's where you would put it because you want to leave exposed what you've, what you've just read so that if you feel uncomfortable, you can go back and reread it. Mm-hmm. But as the adult reader, the more skilled reader, you're blocking where you're going and leaving available what you've already read, which means you can go back. It's something called regression. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go back and reread things. Hmm. So to use the card effectively, it must go above the first line that you're reading. So it pushes you down and it blanks out or blacks out what you've already read. So the tendency to go backwards is a whole lot less. You can still pick up the card if you lost your place. Okay. But it's really meant like, here, let's keep it going. Let's go straight down. And it's very, very effective. Interesting. Okay, so I'm not cutting out a window pane, but rather I'm blocking that which I have already read and bringing it down. Mm -hmm. And You're covering what you've already read and leaving open what you haven't read. So that means the note card border edge margin is above my line, my active line. Correct. Yes. (laughs) And so you got it. (laughs) So tell me all I got to do is get my card, put mm-hmm. it at the top, bring mm-hmm. it down at a pace four times <laughs> what I normally do, then bam, I'm speed reading and it, it, that's all it takes? But what it, it's not necessarily just go four times. It, it You build to that. Mm-hmm. You start wherever you start, you have a starting point, and then you try that strategy as well as there's other strategies I teach called keywords and phrases. It's so how do you pick up all those words that you're going over pretty quickly with your hands or a card? Mm -hmm. And so being able to know that one word at a time is not the most efficient, but finding the bigger, more important words in the text is important. Finding phrases, groups of words that form thoughts. Imagine throwing thoughts back to your brain at one time instead of one word at a time. The brain loves that. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's about active, mindful, conscious strategies. It's, you stay awake when you read now because you, you 
or you've put yourself into a, a thinking place. I call it a quiet place. You've set yourself up for, for learning, reading success. I mean, you could learn all this stuff in my program, put yourself in a really noisy place. And it's going to be really hard, you know, to focus. But if you can get your environment the way you like it to get the concentration you need, then you add all these different things. It's, it's magical. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean laying in bed, I hate to say. <laughs> you know, it's like sitting up at a desk or table, a place that we've been conditioned to work. It could be kitchen table. Your work desk may not be the best unless you're reading on reading web pages mm-hmm. because there's too much to do at your desk. There's, you know, the phone and there's email and there's to-dos that pop up and dingers and whatever. It's like you want to move to a quieter place mm-hmm. if you can. For those that work in offices, go to a conference room or, or a cafeteria off hours for those that are entrepreneurs and work from home, just like get out of your office to a quieter, cleaned off desk, table, kitchen table, dining room table, but avoid the lazy boy chair unless you don't really care if you get too comfortable. Okay. And then with these phrases, does that mean I'm, I've heard the term subvocalize, which means I am reading each word inside my mind's ear? Mm-hmm. Like your bio, she has taught thousands yeah. to build reading confidence and competence through the knowledge of simple yet powerful active reading strategies. So right. am I not doing that when I'm rocking at the 1000 plus words per minute level? Subvocalization, first of all, know that a lot of people have it because we've learned, at least here in the United States, that we've learned to sound it out, hear it in your head. It's called phonics. That's how we've learned. And so when you learned how to read, they didn't tell you by the time you had a good sight vocabulary about seventh or eighth grade that you don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) And so you just kept doing it. And so we have this mental uh, whispering that goes on in, in the head, and it's hard to get rid of completely. So I tell people, don't expect it to be gone. But the faster you read, the less you can do it, because you can only read about 150 to 200 words a minute out loud quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you're reading at 250 or 300, even as your base level, you're not reading every single word. And so you will read less, mentally whisper less, the faster you go. And as long as you're understanding what you're reading, it doesn't matter. Well, so that, that's just kind of mind-blowing in terms of... <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> that if I am reading, but I'm not hearing each word in my head, although mm-hmm. I, I talk kind of fast and I read words in my head faster than I talk. So yes, I think I am probably around 250-ish. Average sounds about right. I, I've tested it back in the day mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's been about the same for a good long while. So then mm-hmm. I guess I'm a little... I don't know, spooked. I, I, the way, my vision is, it's like I'm on a treadmill and I've cranked it faster than I can really handle. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and so then I guess I'm wondering, would, would I in fact be able to comprehend, remember, retain stuff that I'm flying through if I'm not saying each word to myself? The short answer is yes. And this is where the active mindful conscious stuff comes into play. Like if you're going so fast that you're not getting it, then you got to slow down. It's about understanding you have gears that sometimes you need to slow down either because of the content or because of where you're at at that moment in time. If you're really stressed, you had a hard commute to get to work or you just had a fight with your spouse or, you know, you're dealing with something going on and you're just like, you're really distracted. I mean, that that can affect it too. So you have to have the most ideal mindset, which is mm-hmm. 
uh, well, okay, I'm going to back up for a sec, because this is something that over the past 20 years, I've been teaching these this stuff over 30 years, but over the past 20 years, since we've had computers and phones, that people have learned how to multitask, but haven't relearned how to monofocus. Okay. And so it's so hard for people who are so busy, and especially type A personalities, even people like me at times, to just stop and just read because they're thinking about so many other things. And so by learning how to calm the mind, be it through mindfulness techniques like meditation, yoga, tai chi, breathing practices, something that can center you will greatly benefit your reading. Okay. So I feel like that's important to mention because we're so twitchy with all the stuff that we have to look at. All right. Gotcha. So, so yeah. we're just entering that tunnel of focus. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like all that is in my consciousness is this text and uh, away we go. Okay. And, and I guess I'm curious, is there a place you might recommend if, if I want to really take this for a spin, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get out the, the note card and, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Is there a place I can go to readily check my reading comprehension? I'm thinking about standardized tests from my youth. <laughs> I, reading comprehension was a section. Yeah, so right. like, how mm-hmm. might I assess my comprehension and check that out to see if, uh, yep, I am really blazing so fast, I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> so I think the first thing to know is that it's important just to know what your speed is to begin with. And of course, people read ideally for comprehension. So even if you don't have 10 questions after what you've read, you can still get your speed. I do have on my website a place where you can take your take a speed test just so that you can see what your reading speed is. But if you're looking for uh, speed with comprehension, one of my books, 10 Days to Faster Reading, has 10 readings in it with 10 questions. So that's a place that you could read and answer questions. Just don't look back at the reading to to get your answers. And there are a few other timed reading exercises. I would bet if you Google them, you'd probably find them. I know teachers can use them in high schools. Some do in college level courses as well, where you can get readings with questions. I had one from Jamestown Publishers I used to teach when I did high school or college. So you can get books like that if you wanted. Mm. You might even find it online as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're jumping around a little bit, but so we talked about the note card and you also talked about word clusters and keywords. Is there something to do there (laughs) with the keywords or what am I doing when I'm using the keyword method? (laughs) So it's so, you know, in some ways it's hard to just describe. You really have to see it. However, what a keyword is, is basically any word that's about three letters in length or longer. And it usually gives you the most meaning of a sentence. And so it's almost like picking out from like a 12 word sentence, maybe seven or eight of those words that make sense. But by doing that, what you're doing is actively, consciously looking for the more important words, which keeps you more awake and alive and on task, more than daydreaming. Daydreaming, so daydreaming, regression, and subvocalization are the three evils, if there are such thing, to reading. And so mind-wandering is one of the things that happens when you go too slow. Mm -hmm. And so by having a strategy, you will tend to daydream less, first of all, which is helpful. And then by learning how to find keywords, you're going to be able to read almost, it's just like newspaper headings. It's just like a a headline. That's what I'm looking for, a newspaper headline. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just like, I get it. I don't need all those other words because I got it through these bigger words. They're more important. And you see the other words. You're just not stopping your eyes on all those words. Yeah, I hear you. And I know what you mean about needing to see it as I'm looking at my note draft starter outline questions. Mm-hmm. So which I flexibly refer to and supposed to march through. I've got, what are your best practices for people trying to get into speed reading? And I'm seeing in many <laughs> of these words, what are your, don't need them, best practices, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> for people trying, we'll take the trying to get into, okay, speed reading, best practices, trying speed reading. So like those key words are maybe a little under half of the total words. And, and I get the gist of what this question is about. Yes, correct. So, okay, very cool. So I just pulled out, I was looking for some reading material next to me. So I have a copy of my book that came out, Speed Reading, Little Known Time Saving Superpower, just opened up to squeeze the margins section, just opened it up. I'm just going to read like two or three lines in keywords and just see if this makes sense to you. Okay. Even though Mm -hmm. you're not seeing the other words, reading newspaper column, quite different reading email, not just content different, also column width, average newspaper column, six words across, average email anywhere, 18 to 25 words across. I jump from end one line to beginning next, much longer email than newspaper, makes it hard eyes read, find the next line accurately. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense at all to you? It does. Well, it's funny, like I'm already jumping to implications like, oh, well, maybe if the email's wide, I should like shrink the window so that it's (laughs) more manageable (laughs) and it squeezes that in a bit. Yeah. So it's by and not saying it out loud, obviously, by doing it internally, you'll go a lot faster than if you do it out loud. Mm -hmm. But it's about getting good at just finding those bigger words. And that takes a little bit of play and experimentation. But once you get good at it, it's very helpful for some people, especially people Mm -hmm. that subvocalize every word. Because then, and even English as a second language learners find that this is a very helpful tool for them. So they don't have to read every it, that, to, the, to, and, for, if, because they look at those words as if they have to all be processed the same way and they don't. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So we talked about getting in the right mindset and maybe it's some breathing practice or, or mindfulness or, or a distraction-free space where it's just just the text. We talk about looking at the clusters of words and then the note card look, starting at the top and then scooting on down mm-hmm. to cover what we have already read and put it at the, at the top of each line and not needing to sub-vocalize and we can rock out at four times the speed without losing comprehension with practice. That's exciting. Abby, tell us, what, what are some of your your top do's and don'ts that we haven't covered here? It sounds like there's some more tools with regard to, to margin use. Uh, what's the story here? So there's a lot. There's so many different pieces of this whole concept. I'm going, I think probably one of them is about the purpose that a lot of people, when they sit down to read, they don't really know why are they reading what they're reading, and even more importantly, what do they need to get from it? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because there are times when you're going through something where it's like, why am I reading this? It's not going to meet my objective, but it's there, so you feel like you have to read it. And so when you know that you're not going to need it, you can skim over it. I, I teach people how to effectively skim. You can skip it without guilt and just say, I read this because it's I read the rest of it because that was what I needed and I didn't need that piece. And I give an example of like, let's say you wanted to read about 
like chocolate. You're reading a book on chocolate. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to learn all about different kinds of chocolate and where they're made and blah, blah. But then there's a chapter that just talks about one maker of chocolate, Belgian chocolate. And you're like, yeah, I don't really like Belgian chocolate. It doesn't really matter. And so there's like a whole chapter, 12 pages on this one person. And you're like, I'll do a quick skim and find out if there's anything really interesting here, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time because it doesn't interest me. It doesn't it doesn't float me in mm-hmm. spiritual way, personally or professionally. So you become very selfish, I think, when you read active, mindfully and consciously, because you don't want to spend time on things that aren't worth your time. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And I heard it said somewhere that if you can determine in one minute that a 30,000 word book will be of no value to you whatsoever then it's as effective as you having read all 30,000 words in that one minute. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great one. I like that. (laughs) I agree 100%. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. What else are the top do's and don'ts you'd put forward? So some of my other favorite things is that reading on screen, which is the bane of so many of our existence, there are some really cool apps I demonstrate them when I do webinars, and I like to share them whenever I can. One is called Beeline Reader, B-E-E-L-I-N-E, reader.com. And so you go into, like, you're looking at, I don't know, Fortune Magazine or Vanity Fair or whatever online, and you're reading an article. There's all these videos and pop-ups and things that are just, like, distracting you, and it's, like, so frustrating. And when you put Beeline Reader onto your computer, it can do really two things. Number one is it color codes the lines so that it's easier to read. So it goes from black to red, red to black, black to blue, blue Hmm. to blue, black to black. So it's easier to find the, the next line. But then when you do this thing called activate in clean mode, it takes out all the ads, all the pop up, and it puts the article in basically standard length lines all the way down the page in the colored text. Oh, cool. It is like the coolest app. And I use it all the time when I'm reading longer articles. Like, I don't want to read with all that stuff flashing at me. And so I think it's like $9, $10 a year to have that on my browser. That's cool. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. I like that a lot. And then another one that I like and I teach, I tell people about for learning how to process words faster is to get the free app of something called Spreeder, S-P-R-E-E-D-E-R. The free app of Spreeder, you can copy the words that you have on that article, just copy them and paste them into Spreeder and you can force feed it to you at different speeds. And so you can do one word at a time. You can set it up, play with it. It's it's fun and it's free. And it's just an, it's another way to get the eyes and brain used to communicating faster Hmm. because it's just one of my favorites. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. A lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'd love to get your take when you're focused in and reading fast are you more or less tired afterwards? On the one hand, I could see, oh man, I'm draining mental resources because I'm just going bananas in terms of fully dialed in <laughs> and focused and 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 uh, slamming through so quick. Or is it like, hey, by being completely absorbed in that which I was doing, it is actually sort of like a flow state rejuvenator or maybe it just varies person by person. What's What's your take on this? I think it's both. I do think it's a flow state mm-hmm. rejuvenator. I I definitely, when I'm reading something that is very 
you know, interesting or something I really want to learn. And I sit down at a desk and I have it in front of me and I'm using my hands or a card to read with, and I'm really dialed in with it. Then when I'm done, I'm like, wow, that was so good. Like I read a book on an airplane. I was, I went down to Florida last week and I just read half the book on the way there and half the book on the way back. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. I didn't feel tired from that at all. But if you, if you read too slowly and you don't have a purpose, it's very yeah. draining because you're sitting there trying to learn it. You're trying to understand it and it doesn't, doesn't really work. And you can get so much more done when you have that purpose in mind. And obviously you don't want to read it, you know, unless you're a night person. I don't know how people read at 10 or 11 at night unless they're really night owls, because that's like the last thing I want to do. I, I read like a couple pages and it's my right. nightcap to well, go to sleep. That's a great illustration like of it. the gear system. It's like I'm chilled out. I'm, you mm -hmm. know, lying down. I'm not looking for max speed, max wisdom. It's right. just like, here's a soothing thing. Right. That's a, a, a bit yeah. interesting. Or I'm at the beach. I'm on vacation. I don't really want to read so fast. Or maybe I do because I love the book and I want to read fast. It's always a choice mm -hmm. once you have those five gears in place. Okay. And so we talked about screen reading. There's a few tools uh, right there for us. Uh, anything else you recommend? Like maybe just shrinking the windows to get the width or margin in a certain spot. How many words or inches... <laughs> Should I be going for Because I got a big old <laughs> screen here and I can resize this window uh, <laughs> any way I want. So what mm -hmm. would be optimal yeah. for my speed if I am not going to leap over to beeline reader or, or spreader? How do I, I think about like my windows and my line width? So some people like the six words per line that are part of like a newspaper column. Mm -hmm. And if you like that and you find satisfaction reading quickly across those lines and get your screen to six to eight words per line. Otherwise, if you look at like emails could be anywhere from 18 to 25 words per line. And if that's comfortable for you, you can do that. But if it gets to be a lot more than that, the eyes have a really hard time tracking all the way across those lines and then back accurately to the beginning of the line. Yeah. And so you can use. I'm sharing this really special with you, Pete, just so you know, okay? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Is that you can use your screen like the white card. So you take the text that you have in front of you, mm -hmm. line it up to the top of your screen, like if there was a ruler there or just the, the top of your web page, mm -hmm. and you use your scroll bar. Oh, okay. Hopefully your mouse can do it one click or two click, two lines at a time. And so as you click it on uh, your scroll bar, the lines go up into the quote unquote black, just like covering it up with the white card. So you've adapted the white card to the screen. Does that make sense in what how I describe that? Oh, it's very easy. Yeah. Okay. And so it's another way to use the white card, but on a computer screen. That's clever. Yeah. Or a Kindle or whatever. It's, it's just easier to use that way. And my mouse likes to make giant leaps when I click it, but I I could just use the down arrow and ba-boom, ba-boom, boom, boom. You can use the down arrow. Mm -hmm. You could also change the settings oh, okay. of your mouse just for, for reading purposes. You can It can be one line at a time mm -hmm. when you go in your settings. So that's another way to do it. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Well, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about some of your favorite things? There's so many other things, but I think one of them is about creating a manageable or a quality reading workload instead of a quantity. I think a lot of people have stuff stacked up, be it on their computer or on paper, 
on their desk, on their nightstand, in their bathroom, in their backpack, whatever. There's so many different things that, you know, places that they have stuff. And after a while, it's just like, what am I going to get to next? I don't even know. And so by really evaluating what you have in your pile. And so I'm going to give this to you too, because you're a nice guy and I know the people there would like it. Mm. And so it's a, it's a quick four-step process. So if you have a lot of stuff to read and you're like, I know there's stuff there that I don't want, and you put it in there six months ago, six years ago, and you just never got to it. The first thing you do is kind of put it all together and then put a number on it on a scale of zero to 10. Zero is totally worthless, totally not worth my time. Yuck, I hate it. To a 10, this is like the best thing ever. I love this. I can't wait to get to it. It's so good. And so you rank it on a scale of zero to 10. And anything over six, you put in one pile. Anything under six, you put in another pile. The stuff under six, you recycle, get rid of, don't need it, don't want it. At least right now, it's not worthwhile to you. So get rid of it. And then what's left You think you're done, but you're not. Now you have to say, well, how much time do I have to read on a regular basis? If you only read five minutes a day, get rid of a lot of your stuff because you're just not going to get to it if you're just thinking you will. So making more time to read is really important. But then managing how much time do I read with what I have in my pile? So you want to read things that are of value to you, things that float you spiritually, personally, professionally, and then make sure that you make the time to do it because that's how you get a pile that's under control. You don't want to have boxes and boxes or bookcases and bookcases of things you've never read. That doesn't help. So it's about about being attracted to your reading workload instead of repelled. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? I think I have actually have two. One of them is whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's by Henry Ford, because I, I sometimes I have stinking thinking. So uh, it does help quite a bit. Oh, thank you. And the other one is there has to be a better way. That's another quote. I don't know. I say that. I don't know who says it, but I always think just when I think things aren't working, like there's got to be a better way. It's got to be a better way. <laughs> that makes me think of, I think there's some infomercial pitch man who says, at least that's how my my wife and I say that to each other. We do it in in a British accent, in a slow (laughs) infomercial-y voice. There's got to be a better way. Well, there is, Abby. (laughs) Buy my product. (laughs) I like that. That's good. (laughs) And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? So I quote this uh, study. It's called the Ebbing House Curve of Forgetting. It's E-B-B-I-N-G-H-A-U-S, in case anybody wants to look it up. And basically, when you read something today without any active mindful conscious strategies, you're not going to remember more than 10% of it three days from now unless you talk about it, reread it several times, or experience it in some other way. And so by adding, becoming more active, mindful, and conscious to begin with, you remember 50%. You don't remember just 10. You remember 50% or more because of the intention. Mm-hmm. And so I love this Ebbing House curve of forgetting. And so you need to repeat and reread and experience with other people. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And a favorite book? I'm going to say that one of my favorite books is uh, called Yoga and the Quest for the True Self by Stephen Cope. Okay. He's a, a person that I've followed at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Meditation. It's a really good book. All right. And a favorite tool? Beeline Reader. I think Beeline Reader is my favorite tool, for sure. All right. And a favorite habit? 
Favorite habit for me is uh, probably doing exercise that feels good and doesn't cause pain, (laughs) which is like, I'm a swimmer, so I I swim laps and walking and yoga, but I don't like things like lifting weights because they cause problems (laughs) for me. Okay. Yeah. It's just things that, things that don't cause pain. And is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks that quote back to you often? It's more what I quote to them. It's my tagline that the road to knowledge begins with a turn of a page. It was a fortune that I found in a fortune cookie when I decided to start my business in 1988. And so I keep that. It's just, to me, very powerful. The road to knowledge begins with a turn of a page. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Please thank you to my website at revitupreading.com, R-E-V-I-T-U-P, reading.com. And there's uh, the free test that you can take, the speed reading test. There's also a free sneak peek, which will allow you one module, which actually introduces the phrasing concept in my favorite exercise called Discipline Your Eyes. So you can get all that for free. Mm -hmm. So encourage people to go check that out. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Abby, this has been a treat. Uh, I wish you much luck and fun reading. Thank you. You too. I I read a lot. It's your turn. (laughs) I loved Abby's take on how putting the note card on top of the line and moving it down can prevent your eyeballs from backtracking. So simple and yet powerful. I'm digging it. I'm loving it as well as I've played with the apps as well for screen reading stuff. Cool stuff too. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP783. Hope to get you next time. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.